volatility, uncertainty, complexity. This is the work environment that is our reality. What will leaders need to know to be successful in the future? Who will they need to be to build team member commitment? How will they need to show up to create a motivating environment for their people? Welcome to the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast, a dialogue about how leaders will need to adapt to be successful in a rapidly changing world. And now, please join your host and executive producer, Sal Sylvester, to engage in the conversation about the future of leadership and how to transform people into confident leaders. Hello, and welcome to season four of Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership. I am Sal Sylvester, your host and founder and CEO of 512 Solutions, an executive coaching and leadership development firm based in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to help organizations create healthy, aligned, and more human workplaces. I'm also the founder and CEO of Coachmetrics, a cloud-based tool we developed to measure behavioral change so that we could prove our impact in coaching and leadership development. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the future of leadership. As you may know, season four, it's all about the future of work season. As we think about the post-pandemic era, things that have happened with the Delta variant, hybrid work environments, and what our future looks like, leaders will need to think differently about how they engage their workforce. So this season, I'm interviewing human resources executives to get a sense of what they're thinking and seeing and how they are guiding their organization through this incredible time of transition. Today's guest is Sheila Murty. Sheila is the Executive Vice President of People and Culture at Tillamook County Creamery Association. We've all used and loved their products. Tillamook is a family-owned agricultural cooperative and one of the fastest-growing consumer brands in the United States, employing nearly 1,000 employees in varied roles from manufacturing, retail, office-based business and administrative, and a remote workforce across the country. Sheila talks with us today about her perspective on the future of work and the way in which Tillamook is using space as a culture anchor. Let's find out more in our interview with Sheila now. Sheila, welcome to the podcast. It's great to connect with you today. Thanks, Sal. Happy to be here. Terrific. Well, I'm really curious. We've been through so much in the last 16 or 18 months as a society, as a business world, if you will. I'm curious to know or to hear from you what you're noticing about how employees' attitudes about work or how they think about work has changed as a result of what we've been through here in the last year and a half, almost two years. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's a lot that hasn't changed, right? So I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, one of the main things I think is that anxiety and stress are real. And it isn't just the few that experience it. You know, it has normalized in a way caring about mental health and realizing that ignoring your well-being has incredible toll on resiliency and productivity. And the need around mental health and well-being is only, I think, going to increase. So there's a whole range of mental health sort of responses caused by this crisis from grief to just compounding effects of living alone or living with too many people or just (laughs) missing the socialization, 
it's additive and it has sort of a, a tipping point sort of effect. For a while, you seem fine and then suddenly you feel the sort of, hey, I'm experiencing this thing people are calling burnout or whatever it is. So I think it's just added to the everyday work stress. And I think for employees, the concept of their own well-being and what work means to them and what life means has taken a more urgent platform in their lives. I also think that the social distance that we've had from each other and even through the reopening, it's been different for different people. Everybody's coming from a different place. So a different lived experience, a different experience through the pandemic. And, you know, certainly for many, the social distancing has made the desire for feeling a sense of connection to people and a connection to something larger, like a community, even stronger. Because I think we're all seeking human connection in some way, shape or form. And I think for some folks, it has created a heightened sense of security and safety is important to them as well. So, and I don't think people will no longer view flexibility as an amenity. It is a must have. It's a must have in our, in our jobs going forward. So I like to often say that all of these things have affected how employees think about work and everybody's not a monolith. Everybody doesn't think about work the same way. And so that's a challenge for us as organizations and how do we meet people where they are, makes my job interesting. (laughs) And I think we're living in, someone said this before, it's not my own quote, but I love this. It says, we are living in liquid times. Mm. And things are such, so fluid and constantly changing and adjusting. And we have to constantly adapt. Yeah, that really sums it up so well, doesn't living in liquid times. So one, there's this idea of mental health, well-being, and you brought up this concept of the tipping point. It's interesting you say that because I was just even thinking about my own life and how there's so much social connection I've missed, seeing friends more regularly. This morning, I was downstairs doing a a workout. I have the Peloton app and that's replaced my gym membership, but wow, I really miss being in the climbing gym. There's so, there's so much that And I could see how those little things can add up for people, for employees. And then all of a sudden there's this tipping point where there's a bigger impact for people. So one, the mental health, this wellness and health, social distancing, the stronger need for connection, the stronger need for security and safety, and then flexibility. It's not an amenity. I love that. Say more about with all of those changes, those shifts, how you said your job's interesting because of these, how does the enterprise or how is the enterprise responding to some of these changes? I think the biggest things, you know, for leaders and for organizations is to continue to lead in totally ambiguous and uncertain times. And it used to be a thing that you experienced every so often. This is just a thing. So how do you lead when the ground beneath you is shaky? What do you anchor on? How do you lead when you don't have all the answers? I think those are really stretching leaders and stretching organizations because it's not easy, right? And for us, we really anchored in our values. We have five values that are very important to us. And from the early parts of the pandemic and through now, we've really tried to keep those center and anchor ourselves in that because that is the one sure thing that we know that we can hang on to, right? So I think in terms of adapting to all these different things, I think 
companies who invest in well-being related design strategies for their workforce that will support employees' morale, especially in these times that are very unusual, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what's usual anymore, but also in an ongoing basis that that becomes a really important element of how you think about well-being in many different ways. There's the physical well-being, there's the mental well-being, there's the social well-being, right? There's also financial well-being. So we talk about it in these four elements of well-being because I think they're distinct and connected. And the other thing I think for organizations is how do you enable a sense of connection and community and togetherness in your workplace when social distancing may be an on and off thing for a long time? You know, how do you cultivate that? How do you prioritize connection, whether you're virtual or in person? And so I think for us, as organizations think about how to respond to that, for us, we've been thinking about space, as many organizations have. And I know there's a wide range of how organizations are managing that, from getting rid of this space to, you know, the complete opposite is having everybody come back in. And for us, we're thinking about how do we use space as a culture anchor? Mm. In, in other words, how do you change the way you use space? Where in the past, you might have come in to use space because you come in, you work at your desk, you get things done, you say hello to a few people, and you leave. And if you have mm. flexibility to work remotely and work in the office, I mean, where both are important to an organization like ours, maybe you can use space as a way you foster connection and uh, work in collaboration with others where you actively use your time to have your one-on-one. So your check-ins or your team meetings or your cross-functional brainstorming sessions. So you are both energized by being there, but also maximizing the connection. Mm. So, So that's another piece. And I think we have to continuously offer solutions to build culture in our business, whether you build culture when you're away physically or whether you're together. And I think that's really helps us center on the human experience. I love that. It sounds to me like there's a mindset shift that leaders and employees at all levels really have to make, especially as it relates to space. We've now had a time period where I know a lot of people have been site required, but we've had a time period where we've had more flexibility in terms of where we work, but just thinking about how we use our space differently. And I love the concept of using space as a culture anchor. When we can get people together, when we can really ground in those values, but being very intentional, part of what I'm hearing here is an intentionality that might be different from how we've done it in the past. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Terrific. So as you think about spaces looking different, we have more flexibility in the workplace. We have to think about connection with maybe more intentionality. What's your advice for teams as teams move into this future world? What do they need to be thinking about to either build that connection or to operate at their optimal levels? So I think that's interesting because I think that it's essential for us to recognize that workplaces will take time to adapt to new ways of working. And I think we were so anxious to get back to whatever it is that I think sometimes we 
fast track things or we oversteer things as leaders. And I think it's important to remember that these times have rapidly cycled through change that normally takes decades. Right. I think we've forgotten that because we're just like, you know, it's the next thing and then it changes again. And before you adapt, it changes again. So I think we need to remember that. And I think it's important to realize that it takes time to adapt to that and to really in the process for teams to show that sort of, I always say, try to lead with grace, show some grace. Grace means you prioritize connection and you prioritize genuinely caring for each other and you pause a little and you allow for that to take some time. You also say, hey, you know, this acknowledge that these are changing times and it's just one more change that's probably causing some anxiety. But remember, this is what if you have a strong culture, I think it helps. And you can say, remember, yes. this is how we this is how we do things together. We care for each other and we co-create solutions for each other and we will adapt and we will pivot and we will change, but we will always anchor in these values, right? And I think it takes more intentional discussions for leaders and teams Mm -hmm. to figure out how will you build culture if you're not all in the office Monday through Friday or whatever it is. And I recognize that not all companies operated in this fashion in the past. Many global companies are very accustomed to or companies that have teams in different locations have always adapted to knowing that. But I think you have more people doing that and in different ways and different needs that they're adapting to from their job to their personal lives to how they work optimally. So I think you have to be intentional about what is important to us for us to be in person. How do we build culture Is it because we use some time in our meetings to not just jump right into work, but find time in the beginning to connect with each other in some way? We have sort of this ritual here that we call meeting openers. And it's a really interestingly wired thing. And somebody will inevitably always say, okay, let's do a meeting opener before we kick off. And it's just a way to come together. And it can be a serious question or a fun question, but it just gives people a chance to settle in. And it takes time to get to know each other a little bit. So I think you have to be intentional about Mm. how you work with each other. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was observing a a leadership team's meeting yesterday, 90-minute meeting, packed agenda, and the team jumps right in. And in this virtual and hybrid world, people are highly efficient, but what's missing is that connection. Love that idea of the meeting opener. Can you give us an example of what that meeting opener might look like? Is it a question that people ask that's non-work related or what does that look like? Yeah, it could be anything. It could be work related or non-work related. It's whatever's top of mind. So it can be sort of like, hey, what does this culture mean to you? What makes Mm. you thrive in this culture? It will be one work related meeting opener and a non-related meeting opener could be, hey, what was the food that you grow up with that you don't? want to eat anymore. Like it could be just something totally silly, right? Right. But but the second question kind of tells you a little bit about your childhood, a little bit about your upbringing, a little bit about you that I may not know having worked with you for, I don't know, three years. So it just depends on who who's doing it and what they want to use it for. And sometimes it becomes a platform question. What I mean by that is it might be the question that you do in advance of a topic that you're really going to talk about in the meeting, but the way to get people to get their minds kind of directionally in the, in the right place. So if I was going to talk about values and performance and setting goals, I might do that first question. So it can serve as both an engagement tool, but it also can be a, a way to set the platform for the context of the conversation. 
Love that. Sheila, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's really been a, a pleasure to hear all the insights that you've shared. Yeah, it was really fun to talk about the thing that I love to talk about most, which is about culture and people. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sal Sylvester on the Future of Leadership podcast. You can get session notes on our website at 512solutions.com. That's the numbers 512solutions.com. Please follow and like the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're tuning in. And if you want to learn more about how we can help transform your people into confident and action-oriented leaders, please check out our website at 512solutions.com. I look forward to continuing the conversation about the future of leadership. I'm out.